What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Tom Westerholm, and tonight I am joined by a very good pal, one of my favorite people, John Corrales of Boston Sports Journal and the Locked On Celtics Podcast. Celtics agreed to an extension with Marcus Smart, a four-year, $77 million extension off his current contract, the maximum amount that he could earn. He does not have a player option on the final year, although he does have a trade kicker. So, Corrales, what are your thoughts? This is a surprise. It hit me that, you know, we're, we're so guessing at what Brad Stevens is doing this offseason because I'd finally, like, I'd spent so many years at this point saying they're not going to trade Marcus Smart. Yes, it's a tradable contract, but he's not going anywhere. They like him. And then this summer, I was finally like, well, this is it. I can see it coming now. These guys, they're, they're clearing cap space. is going to, it could cost them Rob. It could cost them Marcus Smart. Like, I'm just girding myself for this. And then, and this happens, it's like, oh, well, never mind. It's like a, it's like a game of like Pictionary or something like, like Brad Stevens is drawing and we're in the middle, like yelling out like cap flexibility. No, sign <laughs> uh, a trade. Uh, is it, is it like, I have no idea what, what he's going to start doing now. But look, I think from a pure basketball perspective, I'm happy that this is the deal. I think it's a fair deal. I think the money is right. It's what Marcus Smart should be making for what he does. And it gives Ime Odoka the defensive kind of, he can hang his hat on Marcus Smart executing this defensive game plan that he's coming in and going to try to put in. So from a pure, just forget the business side perspective, keeping Marcus Smart, I've made the case that I like him as the starting point guard. I think it helps some of the deficiencies that he might have. I like where it's going with him. I think this is fair. You're not paying him like a superstar. You're paying him like a starting point guard. I think just from that perspective, I like it. Definitely. You're paying him like, like you said, like a starting point guard. He's making basically the same money that Evan Fournier, you know, is going to make. And it's like, yeah, if the Celtics had signed Evan Fournier, Fournier would be coming off the bench. So actually you got your starting point guard for about the same amount of money that you would have gotten for your, you know, top bench guy. Like that's, that's not bad. Like that's good money. So for the Celtics, one of the other things that struck me is that it's nice that it's not a guessing game for this time. Like what is Marcus Smart going to be? The first time they signed Smart to an extension, it was like, well, I mean, this is a little risky. Like he does so much for the team, but is he ever going to be like a half decent shooter is he ever gonna you know be much of an offensive option can he be the starting point guard and I think this time around you have enough evidence on basically everything to say yes he can be you know a reasonable shooter not a great one but a reasonable shooter and yes he can probably be a starting point guard offensively and defensively like I think for the Celtics like to spend this kind of money on smart and to lock him up long term like he's not a mystery anymore he's just he's Marcus Smart he's a good basketball player and you know good basketball players earn you know somewhere between 50 15 million and 35 million a year. Like he slots right in. It makes sense to me. Totally makes sense. And I think on top of it, I think, first of all, it's very clearly an investment in Marcus Smart. Here he is. He's in his prime. And it's not just that they're paying him to just keep being what he is. This is the first time where he's really legitimately the full-time point guard. Smart's career has been just kind of this jack-of-all-trades that, you know, last year or over the past couple of years, two, three years, you know, Gordon Hayward goes out, you put Marcus Smart in. Jalen Brown goes down, you put Marcus Smart in. I compared him to that spray foam that you get to fill the cracks in your, you know, you're a homeowner now. That little stuff, you just spray it in there and it just fills it. Mm-hmm. That's been Marcus Smart. And I think for Smart and for the team, there's kind of like a little exhale right now that's like, okay, you are the starting point guard. He's like, yeah. okay. I'm the starting point guard, which means you can initiate the offense. And and this is the argument I've been making all, all offseason so far. 
Go out there. You run your pick and roll with Robert Williams. You initiate the offense. The first thing Marcus Smart has to do is give the ball up. You want that. You don't want him coming down and catching the first pass because then you he shoots too quick and that's where people like lose their minds. Give the ball up right away most of the time. Then work your way through the offense. And what's that going to lead to? Probably more corner three opportunities. And he shot, I think last season was like 49% from the corners. So a guy who hits half his corner threes is okay to me. <laughs> but he shot 30% on above the break threes last year, which is horrible. So if you move a good amount of those above the break down to the corners because he's kind of slid into those spots and that's where the spot is because the guy who starts in the corner is Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum and those guys come up and Smart fills in behind them. Swing, swing. There's Marcus Smart in the corner. Well, all of a sudden his three-point percent is going to look a lot better and it's going to go up to like 34, 35% if this pans out. You say, oh, wow, Marcus Smart is a 35% three-point shooter is acceptable. That's not so bad. So that's kind of what I'm banking on when I look at Marcus Smart, not just the assists, not just setting guys up, not just the defense, but fixing enough of that shooting selection flaw to make it acceptable. No, I think that's very reasonable, especially like you see it all the time that that corner is where point guards who, you know, kind of pass it off immediately. That's where they end up. Cause like you said, they just kind of cycle out there. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And obviously, you know, you're talking in addition to the defense and the distribution, but those are the, the calling cards, right? I think offensively, we saw real glimpses of him being a very good distributor, a very good ball mover, somebody who does kind of grease the wheels of the offense last year. He shot so much a lot of times because there were injuries and who else was going to shoot that was a real flaw in the structure of last year's team was that there was just like if any of the most important guys went down everybody slotted up uncomfortably and for smart he slotted into this like shooting and scoring role where yeah he didn't look super comfortable all the time but again like Jason Tatum can't take every single shot like Jalen Brown can't take every single shot like smart had to take some of them so you know I think the vision here obviously is also partly like hey hopefully the Celtics are a little bit healthier this season but also like yeah smart in that role he makes a lot of sense just as as a pure distributor and he should be able to play it more i think one thing that we've seen in the more important games the playoffs especially down the stretch that smart tends to pass up those shots that he would take and this is what we harp on with marcus smart because the detractors like i'm unabashedly pro smart there's no secret there with me i like most of the things that he brings i think sometimes he pops off too much He has that one stretch, that two or three week stretch during every season where you're like, all right, dude, let's get, let's get back grounded a little bit. Kind of like when he punched the picture frame in, in LA, like that's a flaw. Like he had, he does have to keep those emotions a little bit more in check, but to the point that everybody makes when that comes up is that's also the fuel that makes him so good. So you have to figure out where that balance is, but we address the shooting because that's the number one thing that people who are listening to these podcasts that we're doing about Marcus Smart, they're going to be like, but, but, but the shooting, you know, this is, this is a guy who shoots 32%. Like, yeah, we get it. We all get it. But when it matters, when playoff time rolls around, I've seen Marcus Smart pass up those shots. And I think with this role, with this defined kind of this is what you do as the starting point guard, understanding, I think, where the team is and where it's going, all of that stuff. I do think that the shot selection fix is within Marcus Smart, I think. So I feel comfortable with the investment. And you know what? Here's the other side of it. 
for the people who aren't too thrilled with this, if the investment, if Brad Stevens says, all right, I overplayed this. This isn't working out like I thought it would. It's still not an untradeable contract. It's still a pretty good number that at only four years, in a year or two, that can be moved if necessary. No, it absolutely can. It can be moved this offseason. As, as you were talking, I was looking up his uh, playoff stats. Um, his his three-point attempts skyrocket in the playoffs. They like almost double every year. So there is that, I guess. I mean, he, I, don't know. I I still say I, I've seen him pass up those shots. Like, I know that he passes up shots that he would normally take. And maybe it's a situational thing. Maybe the three-pointers, yeah, they go up. I think I think when you look at those numbers, I think that's a, a team strategy thing. I think that's the other team's adjustment of, like, Marcus Smart's going to be the guy who takes the shots. And so yeah. Marcus Smart very willingly takes a lot of those shots I don't know. We got to look it up. I think early in the game, I think he'll probably jack those things. I think late in the game, he's going to look for the other guys. This is classic eye test versus the numbers. I think there's, I'm not saying that the people who have the criticism of smart are wrong. I think it's just, I don't think it's as costly as some people make it out to be. And I do think it's fixable for all of the reasons that I've stated. To be abundantly clear, I am right there with you on like pro smart. Like he's, he's a good player. (laughs) Like we said before, like good players get between 15 and 35 million. Like I don't, it's, it's relatively simple here. He's a good player who got paid. So just a a couple more things on smart here. I mean, I think the, like the money is really good. I know a lot of people are, are wondering about like the Bradley Beal pursuit to me. Like I was, I was a little bit surprised by this. You know, I think a bunch of smarter cap people than myself were saying, Hey, like this is, this was all, it was always more likely that if the Celtics were going to acquire Bradley Beal, it would be via sign and trade. I'm sure that helps avoid kind of gut the roster. I mean, that all makes sense to me. I, I think the Celtics can very certainly pursue Bradley Beal. I think when we talked about it on this podcast, a lot of the time we looked at what the Celtics were doing as more of like a strong arm thing toward the Wizards. Like, hey guys, like we're here and we're just going to let you know that we're here type thing. And I think maybe signing smart does say the Celtics are more willing to be like, we're going to pursue Bradley Beal in the event that he becomes available. Maybe less like everything in our arsenal is geared toward let's pursue Bradley Beal, if that makes sense. I, I do think that makes sense. I also thought that while... Yes, it looked like the Celtics were looking to gear up and have max cap space. I think in most of my writing, I also included, and even the podcast, I also included that it's also a fair amount of expiring contracts that are attractive to another team. Like the Celtics, what do they have? When you're talking about making a trade for a star, there's three avenues. You either have awesome draft picks. The other one is good young players that are already established. And you say, all right, the picks might be, eh, but we've got player A, B, C, D that you're going to get them in. And they're kind of like budding young stars. That's a possibility, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other one is, well, our picks might be, eh, which the Celtics are. The young players, we have a couple, maybe, that you might want, but we give you a ton of cap space and all of a sudden you can play the Oklahoma City Thunder game where, okay, we're rebuilding. We're going to start acquiring players like Kemba Walker and getting your first round pick here. And we're going to start acquiring guys and being the third team and getting a first round pick there. And you start playing that rebuilding game and you just rebuild in earnest. And the Celtics have at least that to offer and say, hey, we can let you clear your books and we'll figure out a way to make this work. And, you know, we'll, we'll give you a bunch of draft picks too, just in case. But this is this is the best that we can do. And if Bradley Beal is like, hey, I'm going to Boston and we right, can make right. this, we can do this the hard way or we can do this the easy way. <laughs> 
then Washington at least gets something of value in, in the form of this cap space, as opposed to just having to take back a bunch of players that they're like, eh, I guess, and then finding a way to do something and, you know, selling those players off later on their own. To your point, there, I think there is, as the year goes on, I wouldn't be surprised if there's, you know, more and more buzz about like, hey, Bradley Beal only wants to go to the Celtics. Like whether or not that's true, it only benefits the Celtics for that to be out there. So I think all those things are possible as well. And let's see how, let's see how these guys who were playing so well in summer league look during the season. Like there might be more trade value there as well. Like Richard look really good. I mean, I'm not saying that they're going to be like one for ones for Bradley Beal, but like, I think they are looking more like they could be genuine value players more so than they were last season when they were still just kind of an empty, like, like, I don't know what this box is, but you know, maybe there's a, maybe there's a solid player in here. Now they actually look like they are solid players. So, you know, I think there's something there as well, but one way or the other, I mean, it's, it's going to be a really weird season that way because I think there, there might be this temptation for Celtics fans to, to like, you know, do a victory lap, the, the Celtics fans who like Marcus Smart, um, to do a victory lap and be like, Marcus Smart's here forever. Like he's going to retire a Celtic. And I, I, I mean, for one thing, he ha- he'll probably get another contract in the NBA and, you know, who knows where that would be. But, you know, for another thing, I mean, let's wait and see, at least through this season. I think if, if the Celtics can figure out some crazy way to end up with Beal, or if this team looks good enough. But I mean, I, I don't think that just because Marcus Smart has signed a four-year deal, he's for sure going to be with the Celtics for all four of those years. No, I mean, you can't, you can't guarantee that at all, especially when the contract is tradable. And yeah. at some point here, actually, yeah, I think the last year of his contract will be the first year of the new TV deal. So that, that 20, whatever million that he's getting that people are like, Oh my God, 20 million for Marcus smart. That's really going to be like a mid-level contract under the new team, be, yeah. depending on what they do with it. So yeah, I mean, look, it, it would be nice to, at this point, we're starting to get into the, Hey, can Marcus smart be a Celtic for life territory, but no one's with that same team forever. And the weird thing is, as you were talking, I'm like, damn, the way you phrase it is like, he, he was probably getting one more contract. Like, we're we're at Marcus Smart, like 27. This deal takes him to 31. And who knows? Hey, let's be real. He's, he has had injuries and yeah. never know which one's going to be the one that just diminishes him to a point where it's not, doesn't make sense to, to re-sign him. And maybe he does only have one more contract left, which we're, we're like one more contract away from Marcus Smart being like his career is done, which makes me feel super Super, super old. <laughs> getting old, man. <laughs> I was not expecting that feeling. <laughs> well, this is it's a regular feeling for me. Well, and you come on the Geno Time podcast where I am by far the oldest member. And uh yeah, you're gonna you're gonna feel old sometimes because I certainly do um around those two zoomers. So <laughs> that'll uh on that note, uh as always, we do appreciate you for coming on, man. You can find his work over on Boston Sports Journal, you can find his podcast on the Locked On Celtics podcast. It's a, again, as I, I always, we always like to try to plug your little operation over there on Lockdown. You, you guys are going and you keep plugging away. Then you'll all see. John, John Corrales, the only man who's making more on his podcast than Marcus Smart is making on his new contract. So shout out to, uh, shout out to Corrales. Appreciate you for coming on, man. And we will talk to you all again later this week.